Well, if you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew 15, um, verses 21 through 28, is what we will be looking at. I'm going to go ahead and read these verses and we'll pray and then get started. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, dear Lord, this morning that uh, you would make your word alive to each one of us here. And that you would use it in our lives in such a way that we would be drawn close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is Jesus, a Canaanite Woman, and Us. And as I thought about what to preach on this morning, I remembered back when Don Curran was here, he gave us uh, the Matthew Challenge, and I don't know if any of you remember that or did that, but he said, read the book of Matthew. And as you read the book of Matthew, do it in short sections. It's most of its little short segments. And then do it with a view with your eye on Christ and what Christ means to you in these verses. And then he said something that you need to write down as you go. Make a journal. And I never have made a journal. I'm not a journaler. But uh, I did that. I wrote down things, and as I did that, and I started going through the book of Matthew, some certain passages I'd highlight because, you know, boy, God spoke to me there. And this passage is one of those instances where God spoke to me, and I thought, well, this, this would be good. I did this Matthew challenge, and I'd read that, and I'd think about it. Then I'd read Matthew Henry's commentary, and that helped me a lot as well. I went ahead and looked up. I like to read Spurgeon, and uh, I believe he has eight sermons on this passage. And I read a few. Some of the titles are Children's Bread Given to the Dogs. Prayer, its discouragements, and its encouragements. How to meet the doctrine of election and the Savior's silence. Those are just a few. 
So this, this message is influenced definitely by Matthew Henry and Spurgeon and Gill and others, but uh, I, I found it beneficial to me. And as we look at this first verse, verse 21, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Well, if you look back at Matthew 14, 34, we'll see where Jesus was. It says, when he had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. So Jesus was at Gennesaret, and he withdrew to this district. Tyre and Sidon are along the Mediterranean Sea. These are Gentile cities, an area where there are Gentiles along the Mediterranean Sea. And they're famous for commerce. They were wealthy cities and did a lot of trade. In fact, Solomon, when he was building the temple, uh, got materials from, these, from this area to build the temple. Now, if you'd look with me at Matthew 7, 24, this is a, uh, a, uh, another account Mark 7.24, it's Mark's account, and verse 24 says, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not anyone to know. He didn't want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So Christ went specifically to this area, to this region, to get away. And you might think, well, what was he wanting to get away from? If you look back in Matthew 14, look at uh, verse 13. It says, this was right before Jesus feeds 5,000. It says, now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But the crowds then came. And there were, it says there were 5,000 men, and at this time, Jesus, with five loaves and two fish, fed 5,000 men plus the children and women. After this, if you go on and look, his disciples got in a boat. It's when he commanded Peter, if it's you, Lord, command me to walk to you. Peter was walking on the water, and we know that... Uh, he started to sink. Jesus grabbed him and put him back in the boat. After this, it says when, in verse 35, And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around him all the region and brought him all who were sick and implored him that they might touch the fringe of the garment, and as many of it touched it, they might be well. So people were coming, coming, coming. You go to 15. Even the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So here they are coming. But they were saying, why do your disciples break the detrition of the elders? And through all this, Christ says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He had this debate with the, the Pharisees. And so here we are coming to the Canaanite woman, and I guess would, would guess that in Jesus' manhood, he needed just a little time, just a little time. But you go to verse 22, and it says, and behold. 
A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Where it says, And behold, this Canaanite woman just appeared. Um, I believe that Jesus withdrew to this, and could it be, I believe it was, to answer the prayer of this woman. Jesus is the one who knows the hearts of men. In fact, if you look at, uh, well, Luke 16, 15 says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Um, Not only does he know your hearts, he knows your path. Psalms 139 A good psalm, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word was on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it altogether. Christ knows all things. He knows all people. And I can't believe that this was just an accident, that this Canaanite woman came And Jesus just happened to be there. I believe there are divine appointments for for at this at this time. Jesus, another example of him knowing things is when Philip called Nathaniel, see, come see the Messiah. Nathaniel came and and Jesus said, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Christ knows. And what a great and wonderful God it is that would minister to this Gentile woman. It says she was a Canaanite. If you go to Mark 7, 26 again, that says that she was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician uh, by birth, which would be Syrian. So she was Syrian, Syrian descent. It's interesting to know, too, as I was studying this, that Naaman, who was healed, who was uh, the commander of the Syrian army and was healed of his leprosy, was also from the same area. And also Elijah, when there was a famine and he went to the widow's house to live, she was also from this area as well. So, how did she know about Jesus? If you look back at Matthew 4, verse 23, I think it gives us a clear picture. Verse 23, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, And they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. So his fame spread throughout Syria, so this woman would have naturally heard of Christ. Um, And when she heard, if you look back, she says, O Lord, O Lord, Son of David, O Lord, everything 
was under Jesus' command. He was a supreme ruler and authority. As we look back at feeding of the 5,000, great things happened. He walked on water. Um, he was supreme. He healed those who were there. Son of David, the Jews knew that this, this term, Son of David, meant the Messiah. And she calls him Son of David. She knowingly believed he was the Son of David, believed he was the Messiah. And this crying out after Christ means to clamor. She was in great distress. She made her, she made her need known. She said, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And I think she, could, she believed that Christ not even being near her daughter could have healed her daughter. It's similar to the centurion, this Roman centurion who uh, called for Christ or came up to Christ and said, my, my servant is, is paralyzed and in great pain. Would you heal him? And he said, I will go and heal him. And he said, no. You're not worthy to be under my roof. And he said, I'm a man of authority. When I tell someone to go, they go. When I tell them to come, they come. And he said, you just speak the word. And Jesus said, such great faith has he not seen in Israel and commented on the centurion's faith. And as we'll see, he comments on this woman's faith as well. You look at verse 23 but he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Why did Jesus not answer her? Was it her prayer? I don't believe so. She appealed to his mercy. Um, it was a good prayer. Jesus may not have answered her then, but he did hear her prayer. As we looked at in the call to worship, Psalms 116, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. I want you to look at Psalms 22, 1 and 2. This is Psalm of David. It starts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. David experienced this of not having an answer from God, and Christ did as well. Christ quoted this verse, said this verse when he was on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, you know, Christ, as he was on the cross, I, I assume that it would seem like there was no answer when he experienced the wrath of God being poured out upon him for our sins. Um, I'm sure it seemed like an eternity. And then Jesus died. In three days he was in the tomb. But there was an answer. He rose from the dead and he lives today.
I believe the delayed answer to the woman was used to strengthen her faith. But it bothered the disciples, you know. She, was, she must have been, Mark's gospel gets right to the chase, but there must have been some, she was following the disciples around, and, and it was troubling them. Um, she came crying after him. They begged Jesus, saying, send her away. And it's not that they didn't want her healed or her daughter healed. I think as uh, she was going after them that her case was so strong that they even felt, yes, heal the daughter, send her away. But they couldn't take the constant crying out after him. But you know this didn't bother Jesus. He didn't bother, it doesn't bother him to cry after him. Hebrews 5, 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Christ himself cries and cried out to God. Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus' ministry as a prophet was to the Jews. He even instructed his disciples, if you look at Matthew 10, just turn back there. Um, He instructed his disciples to do the same. In verse 5 he says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. So Jesus sent his disciples that way. Um, And it wasn't until before he ascended into heaven that he gave the great commission. To go ye therefore to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon said this, Our Lord Jesus virtually discourages the Canaanite woman with the doctrine of election. This was enough to dampen her spirit, surely. And yet the Savior put it before her then and there. Jesus is telling this woman, I have lost sheep. They're not around the Gentiles at this time. They were from the Jews. So it was had to have been very discouraging. But look at her response. Verse 25, she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Quite a response. This word knelt, it means actually in the King James, if you read it, it says she worshiped. And it means worship. Um, It's the same Greek word that the wise men, when they came to Herod, said, we want to worship the king. It's the same Greek word. If you turn back to uh, Matthew 14, verse 33, when Jesus got Peter in the boat, and he said, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying that you are the Son of God. If I looked up the meaning in Strong's Dictionary, and it means to kiss. 
like a dog licking his master's hand, prostrate oneself in homage to worship. I found this interesting, like a dog licking his master's hand with the following verses that we have, that it would be that kind of a definition to worship. Her prayer is short. It got shorter from what it was, Lord help me. And it says it all. She's saying, Sovereign God, controller of all things, help. She couldn't help herself. No one could help her. That's why she came to Christ, the living God. And even though it was her daughter that she wanted healed, she hurt for her. And she was having, you know, having her daughter healed would have made her life better, as we could all imagine. So we look at verse 26. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Christ's words again should be discouraging to the women. When it talks about the children, it's meaning the Jews. It's not right to take the Jews' bread. The bread is the preaching of Christ, his grace, um, the miracles that were performed uh, towards um, and all that he did. And then dogs is a term of contempt. And the Jews, uh, or the, the Jews use this towards the Gentiles. They were nothing but dogs. They believed in idolatry. They had no regard for God's law. But the word here, dog, also means not like a big dog that would run the streets, but a little dog like a house pet as well. So as we look at her response again, she said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord. That's, that's quite, a, quite a response. Jesus calls her a dog, and she goes, Yes, Lord. She had a deep sense of unworthiness in her life. She knew she was an outcast from Israel, and she confessed that. And when she says, let the children, when she says that, uh, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs, she's saying here, let the children have the bread. Let them have the bread. I just want a little crumb, just a little piece that falls from the, from the table, from the same precious bread that you're serving the children. Then in verse 28, Jesus says, he commends her on her faith. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. At this point, I, I wondered how the disciples felt. You know, they were begging Jesus to send her away. Um, Peter, again, what I found interesting is if you look back at Matthew 14, 31, when he saw, Peter saw that the wind was there and he was afraid and beginning to seek, he sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith. Jesus just got done telling Peter he had no little faith. Then he tells this Canaanite woman, how great is your faith? 
And the disciples, I suppose, as they were going down, you're not of the, you're not one of the children of Israel. And they were thinking, yeah, that's right. And she's a dog. And they're thinking, now that's right. Now Jesus said, you have great faith. How humbling that would have been for them. But the the fact here, when when Jesus says, "Be it done as you desire," she had an open open prayer request. She could ask for anything, but she had a single focus, and that single focus was what Christ's focus was. There was no argument between them. She wanted her daughter healed, and her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed instantly. Now to look back at this Canaanite woman, there were several graces she had in her life. She had a compassion for her child. She had wisdom. She had humility. She had meekness. She had patience. She was persevering in prayer. All of these things were a result of her faith, and her faith was in Jesus and him alone. Now, Jesus, he makes divine appointments. His word is truth, and sometimes his word is hard and convicting. He is merciful. Jesus saves, and he heals, and he's in control of all things. But what about us? I know there's children here, and maybe an adult, maybe some adults, that have never really truly repented and place their faith in Christ. And maybe God is saying today, maybe Jesus is saying, I'm going to make a divine appointment here today with someone. But if Jesus called you a dog, would you be offended? Pretty, pretty hard, pretty hard words. Matthew 15, 12. If you look over at that, then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? The Pharisees were offended. If you look at Matthew 15, 18, it says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hand does not defile anyone. The natural heart, the heart that has not been saved by Christ, rebels against Scripture. Rebels against Scripture that tells how bad the heart really is. And until a man is truly humbled, this is the case. You might ask yourself, is this me? Spurgeon again said this, When a man wrestles, much depends on his foothold. If he does not stand firmly, he will not win the day. And I kind of was interested in this as being a wrestler and taking my grandkids to wrestling practice, and they were teaching them about a stance and teaching them where you place your feet. And, And that doesn't ever end. I mean, even as you are continue to go on. In high school, they still review these things and look at these things. But Spurgeon went on to say this, and if we wrestle with the angel of mercy, we must find a foothold where this woman did in a deep sense of unworthiness. Do we have an unworthiness about us? Is that our foothold 
before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you feel a conviction of sin, a desire to repent, come to Christ today. Christ won't turn you away. And I want you to ask you here today, you who have children and grandchildren, even maybe family members who are not believers, are you praying for them? Now, I would say no one here is possessed in that regard, but John 8, 34, Jesus said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And you are following the prince of the power of the air. I know in the parable of the sower, it talks about seed falling, and Satan snatches the seed before it has a chance to take root. And you might say, well, I've been praying for my kids, or I've been praying for this family member, or I've been praying for this person for years and years and years. And I say, keep praying. God hears your prayer. Jesus hears your prayer. I thought I would share this example of Penny and I have prayed for our kids for even before they were born. We prayed for their salvation. We prayed they'd come to know to Christ. And, and Zach, he came along, and he was pretty compliant, and he was a pretty good kid, and he didn't take a lot of discipline, and he was always pretty good. And time went on, and, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe Zach's a Christian. Maybe he's a believer. And more time went on, and I'd say, Zach, if you think you're born again, I said, you need to be baptized. You need to be obedient to Christ in baptism. No. He said, I don't, I don't want to. I don't think, I really don't think that I have that assurance. And time went on, and we were in high school. He was in high school, probably a junior, I believe. And we were in the basement of this church, and I was teaching his Sunday school class, and he was the only one in that class. <laughs> we were going through the Psalms. And I wish I'd have written it down. It was in the 50s or 60s. And he looked at me, and he said, Today's the day. Now's the time. I need to trust Christ. And I said, Well... I can't do it for you. And he began to pray. And he prayed and he prayed. And Sunday school was over and he shot out of there like a rocket ship. And he ran up to Pastor Jay and he said, Pastor Jay, I want you to baptize me. And, and you know, it's, you never know, you know, as far as your kids go. And people go and you might have all done this and prayed for your kids. I'm sure you have that they would be saved. And, but don't lose hope. I know for me to look at the Canaanite women, you know, I, I need to cry out more in prayer. I thought about last night I woke up and I thought about Moses and, and what uh, when he was before the burning bush, and God says, I've heard my people's cries. I'm going to deliver them out of slavery, all those years in slavery. I'm going to deliver them out. And I thought about that. And I thought about this woman's persistence in prayer, her humility, that I, 
I as well need those things. And I thought about Christ and all the great things he's done, and even in this passage. And I was encouraged by that. And I hope that you have been encouraged here today as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, the living God, that you are at work in our lives and that you're at work in our hearts. And I I thank you that there is not one person here that you aren't working on, Lord. And I pray that you continue to work and continue to work in such a way that we would look to you continually and glorify you with our life. In Christ's name I pray.